Welcome to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. This is a chance for local people or people with a local connection to sit down and talk about what is going on with them in the Fishers community. This is a part of my local Fishers Indiana News blog that began in January of 2012. I started these podcasts in 2016 and have been going ever since. Now, here's the latest edition of the LarryInFishers.com podcast. Welcome to my series with Hamilton Southeastern School Board candidates. Uh, Brad Boyer is running for re-election in District 1 uh, in this round of elections. So everybody knows voters only cast a vote for candidates running in the district where that voter resides. Joining me in the questioning is Kate Lancer, a senior at HSC High School, and Casey Alexander, a junior at Fisher's High School. So, Brad, welcome. It's good to have you with us uh, as well. Uh, you know, you've served on the board now for almost four years. Uh, I suspect a lot of people in the community know you well, but there are a lot of people who move in and are new to the community. Just spend a minute or two and talk about yourself. Well, thank you, uh, Larry, for having me, and um, I'm looking forward to this. Um, I have lived in Fisher's for uh, approaching uh, 20 years now. Um, it's been a great place to live, and I think that um, part of what has made Fishers a great place to live over the years has been um, has been the schools. I think a lot of people have come to um, you know come to the Fishers community because of HSE schools, and so one of um, one of the things that I have uh, that I have realized and I've seen with my own kids and I've seen things is that over time we have. Um, I'll say what we want to see in kids and what we want kids to be able to do and what um, where we need holes filled in the in the workforce has has evolved and has changed and I think that um, um, four years ago I had hoped to be able to come in and uh, be you know get a position on the board and try to drive some of that change and prepare kids for the next uh, generation prepare kids to go out into uh, the workforce prepare kids for the next chapter and make sure that they were um, they were going to be super successful and I think that um, that what we've we've been able to do a little bit of that but I also think that there have been many things that have um, I'll say derailed us um, COVID being a big one of those and um, uh, it wasn't unique to us it was obviously it, it affected everybody and so I'm trying to hopefully be able to bring us back to um, maybe back to the core where we were and try to try to do that um, and and get us kind of back focused on you know on education and and get us kind of all um, uh, back to that point where maybe what we've been able, what we've done in the past has been a little bit more scattered than that just because of the things that are happening in the world around us and so looking um, would love to have you know an opportunity to do that um, as a um, as a day job I have a small business that's located in Noblesville that. Um, is uh, uh, always looking for good people, always feels like we're a little short on people who come out and have the skill set that um, needs to compete in the marketplace that we compete in every day. And so, you know, as we as we look at those types of things, as I look at those things, and I really hope that we're able to produce um, graduates that are able to make a significant impact in, in um 
you know, every aspect of, of uh, you know, life after they graduate. I think you've covered this, but just for a moment here, just explain why you made the decision after already serving nearly four years on the board. Why are you asking uh, for another four years? Well, I feel like there is just some work that's left undone. Um, as much as uh, you think four years ought to be a long time, four years goes by very quickly. It's uh, when you get to be my age, four years goes by very much quicker than when I was, you know, seventeen or eighteen, um, like uh, like uh, you you are. But um, it is one of those things where uh, I just feel like we have some un- unfinished business and. Um, we, uh, you know, I would like to have an opportunity to come back and kind of continue that. Um, I feel like one of the things that happens with maybe with school boards, with with people in the workforce today, lots of things. When when times when you when you have a, when you have a lot of turnover or a lot of change, it's hard to build the consistency and the continuity that you need for success. And so one of the things I'm hoping is that um, able to, you know, serve another four years and continue some of the I, um, some of the initiatives that have been started and um, try to get us back to where I think we need to be um, and hopefully we'll not have an, uh, an event like COVID again to, to I'll say to derail us. So. I'm going to turn the questioning over to our students, Kate Lancer and Casey Alexander. And Kate, you have the first question. Yes. Yeah, so what is your main goal trying to get reelected on the school board? What's your main goal? Well, my, my main goal right now for the next uh, month or so is to do what I need to do to get reelected, okay? Once, once um, hopefully, I get reelected, hopefully the folks um, in the community, the, the voters um, endorse me and will, will send me back to the HSE uh, Board of School Trustees for another four years. But what I really want to do is I really want to try to make sure we're, we're focused on academics. At the end of the day, um, what has happened is – our, our physically, our school day has gotten shorter. Um, not that that um, not really that uh, you know we're still, we still are in excess of the you know state minimums, but our school day physically has gotten shorter. And then during that school day, we have more things that we have to focus on than we ever have. And I think one of the things that gets crowded out sometimes is just pure academics. I mean, the math, science, English, history, fine arts just doesn't have as much time as we once did. And I think that one of the things I'm hoping to do is try to eliminate some of the noise, cause um, help inf- uh, help our administrators, the administration look at some things and say, you know what, do we really need to be putting as much emphasis on some of the, the newer initiatives? And I'd really like to try to get us back to the core. Um, I was... Um, I talked about that four years ago, um, and at some point in time, I at several folks, uh, several groups of people probably criticized me for that because they said HSE is beyond the core. But at the end of the day, we are an academic institution, and we want to produce um, our, our excellence needs to be in academics, nothing else. It's that simple. And so I'm hoping to be able to do that. So earlier you mentioned um, holes in the district. How would you plan to fill those holes? And also, well, before you answer that one, what are those holes? Well, when I talked about holes in the um, when I talked about holes, I don't know if I talked about holes in the district, but I do believe that there are um, 
that when you get out in the workforce, there are plenty of openings. There are plenty of jobs that it doesn't feel like kids coming out of school, coming out of college, are ready to step in and and do the job. It feels as though that um, that they just maybe aren't quite as prepared as they need to be. Um, and I know that this is probably um, well, it's 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 years ago, but. When kids, um, when we graduate kids, I think a lot of the focus at HSC schools is to send them on to college. And that is very, very noble. I have no problem, but not college isn't for every kid. So part of those kids are going to come out and we, we need them to enter the workforce. We need them to fill the roles of, of whatever that may be. That may be carpenters. That may be electricians. That may be welders. That may be EMTs. That may be firefighters. That I don't know what those holes, those holes, they're everywhere. If you look around, everybody is hiring. Everybody needs help, okay, And um, in the workforce. And I sometimes don't think that we have um, prepared our kids coming out of school as well as we need to to fill those holes. Those are the holes I'm talking about. I think we've prepared our kids really well to fill the holes in the college classroom where they need a you know, need somebody to sit in that seat and listen to the professor talk. But I don't know that we've fulfilled the we have filled fulfilled our mission and filled the holes of filling up our workforce with people who can go out and be carpenters or be electricians or um, be in the trades. And I think we could do better, than, you know, could do better there. So expanding on that, um, I would agree that our high schools do do a very good job of preparing us for the college classroom. I don't know if Casey can agree with me on that, but I know at HSC we do. But what do you think we can do to help kids who want to go into the trades like carpentry or welding or stuff like that? I think that it probably starts um, with helping kids understand all their options. And I think it help, and I think probably helps understand uh, if we can help kids understand the options and help kids understand what those options look like and what life might look like. I think we probably all have a good idea. At least I think we all can can visualize what it looks like if we go on to be an attorney. You said you want to go on to law school, okay? Yes, yeah. Interestingly enough, at that age, I absolutely wanted to go on to law school and I wanted to be an attorney also. So I went on, got my undergrad, went on to law school and then came out of law school and said, oh, my golly, I don't want to have anything to do with practicing law, okay? So at the end of the day, became a member of the bar and am inactive, and I will probably stay that way till, till I retire, okay? But ultimately, I think we have this image of what that looks like, okay? But I don't know if we have a good, accurate image of what it looks like to do other things that may be in the trades world. What kind of jobs are there? What kind of earning potential are there? You know, interestingly enough, at um, at uh, um, my office in Noblesville backs up to Gaylor Electric's office. And um, a few years ago, they hired a guy by the name of Jeff Bryant. Um, Jeff used to be the principal at Noblesville High School, and um, Gaylord Chuck Goodrich hired him to come in and build their build bring young people into the trades. Okay, they don't have enough people, and if you come in at 18 and you follow their, um, I'll say their curriculum and follow and and do a good job, by the time you're in five years, 23. 
and you've done what they've needed you to do, you are a journeyman electrician. You are not part of the union. They are non, they're a non-union shop. But your earning potential is between, a, and this was a few years ago, is between 125 and 150,000 a year. Okay. Now, interestingly enough, that may not be for everybody, but one of the things that we talk about is being able to support yourself. And we need to go to college to support yourself so that you can go to college and become an attorney or a doctor. You go to school for, say, an attorney, you go to school for seven years. You're going to come out with potentially some debt. Um, so when you get out at 25, you're potentially going to have some debt. And then the question is, what kind of earning potential do you have? What are you going to earn year in, year out? So I think it's hard for us sometimes to think that you're going to be 23 earning $125,000 as a non-union electrician working for a Noblesville company. That sometimes just doesn't comprehend. And I don't know that we're good at explaining those things to our kids coming out. And I think if we could do a better job, if we understood the opportunities, if we brought kids in and said, you know, tried to match those types of um, their interests and their um, with jobs and what they might want to do, I think we could end up filling a lot of those holes that are in our community. Another thing that we could do is we could probably keep um, we could probably keep more kids um, and, and eliminate that brain drain. A lot of times kids go off to college, they go off to somewhere that is outside of Hamilton County to go to college, and they never return to Hamilton County. And so... Um, I think if we were to do some of that, that we'd be able to also keep some of these bright, young, talented kids that could really make a significant impact on our community in our community. So I remember um, a few years ago, there was talks of a polytechnic school um, potentially coming to Fishers. I don't quite remember if that actually got started, um, but if it didn't, um, would you be interested in starting that? Uh, it did not get started. It was in conjunction with Purdue University, and it did not get started. Um, it was simply a financial decision. At, at that point in time, there just wasn't enough, um, I'll say, money to put behind that concept to get that off the ground. And so, yes, I'm very interested in doing that, but I'm also very interested with uh, of living within our means. <laughs> um, one of the things that I think happens um, – today is that we believe um, there will always be enough money to pay for anything, okay? And over the last um, couple of years, over the last decade or so, um, assessed values um, for, for property in our school district have continued to increase. So the school district is bringing in more money. But if we head into a recession, and I don't know whether we will or won't, but the, there are some signs with interest rates going where they are and, um, you know, the economic slowdown that they're, they're desiring to see, that assessed values might start to come down. And so that greatly affects the amount of money the schools have. And then that affects the programs and things that we can we can offer. And so I wanna make sure, I think it would be a great, um, great uh, opportunity. I would love to see it come to fruition, but we have to be able to afford it. And so in some cases, um, we just can't simply add it to what we're already doing. It may be an addition, but we have to subtract something. So what are we willing to give up that costs an equal amount of money to support this so we can re-divert those funds? We may just not have enough funds to do it all. 
So now looking at our funds and budgeting, recently ACP and dual credit teachers were told that they would not receive raises for earning master's degree that IU requires that they have to teach these classes. And now at both HSC and Fisher's, teachers have said that they would leave because they wouldn't be receiving these raises. How do you feel about this and this budgeting decision that we had made? Um, well, I probably... Um, I probably don't know that I have a strong feeling one way or the other. Okay, I believe that uh, I believe that people ought to be appropriately or adequately compensated for what they do, but it's hard to compensate people if there's no money to do it. And so, um, I would, um, you know, I would love to be able to pay teachers more. I'd be able. I would love to be able to pay the teachers who have special designations. Uh, more. As a board member, we don't really get into the weeds with uh, pay. That's all negotiated between the administration and the teachers association. And so we just by and large, make no mistake about it. I'd love to see teachers make more. I think that um, they have to do a lot of stuff in addition to teaching. And, um, you know, they're, they're therapists, they're parents, they, um, they are, um, they're serving and wearing many hats and um, would love to see them make more. But we can only pay them what we have money to do. Right. So uh, another controversial topic within the district is transparency between the district and parents. How do you plan on improving that if elected? It's very interesting because I hear a lot of talk about transparency, but every um, I don't know that there is a lack of transparency, okay? Um, definitely from the board level, everything we do is in the public. We don't do anything. I say anything. It's a strong word. We don't really take any action on behalf of the school other than something that may be personnel-related where we can't do that in the public. But every other decision, every other action, every other conversation happens in the public. And so I don't know how you can be any more transparent than that, okay? Um, it's uh, now, there are probably things that happen, there are things that happen within the school that people may want to be um, more aware of, but I, I don't know how you communicate that. There's so many things going on, there's so many things happening that we can try to be as transparent as possible, but transparency, but I don't know if the school is not being transparent. I think it's maybe just a function of how things get communicated and how people receive things. Um, if, uh, if we only had one method of communication, okay, and that was every kid got a newsletter and every parent said, can I see that newsletter that came from the school? And everything was communicated through a newsletter. That may feel more transparent than what we're currently doing because the problem is the school newsletter comes home. Well, nothing. Well, that wasn't in it. Well, that was already communicated through, uh, you know, other means on a website, through you know, Facebook post, pushed out through um, some type of mass communication. And ultimately, we're getting communication and we're getting information from ten different sources. And sometimes there's so much that we just turn it off, okay? But from a school board pers uh, perspective, I don't know that we can be any more transparent. Everything we do is in the public. 
Is there anything that we as a school district need to delegate more budgeting to, in your opinion? Um, there probably is. Um, there are probably, there are probably, and I haven't sat down um, with the budget and gone through it line item by line item. Um, there are there are some that do that, but as as a school board member, we do not. Um, but we have a budget that has lots of line items on it. Okay, I think there are probably a variety of um, things that we could maybe put some more money to, and there are a variety of things we probably could take some money from. Okay, but I will tell you that's the the ten things I would take money away from, and the ten things I would give that money to are my list. When you have somebody else sitting here, they're going to have 10 things that they would take money from and they would give money to, and that is ex that would be maybe completely different than what I would. So ultimately, you know what, um, when you're doing things by, by board action, when you're looking at things by committee, when you're not making those decisions simply by yourself, there's, you know, that that gets to be a very cumbersome process. So there are probably lots of things that we um, we would um, that we we could look at. One of the things that I really think we um, uh, sometimes do is I think we really take care of um, a group that um, we take care of the fringes. I think we do a really good job of taking programs and looking at some things that uh, and having initiatives that address kids at, at on on the fringe and i think sometimes what happens is the folks the students in the middle get forgotten about and i really want to make sure that all kids are remembered that all kids needs are met that we're educating all kids and meeting them where they are and doing you know offering them what they need to be successful speaking of all kids um in uh in previous oh, obviously sorry again going to restart um but uh as a, a student in the district, I can't vote um, for people that are representing me and my school. Uh, how would you include the student voice in um, in your time? One of the, one of the things that we do is we encourage the administrators to um, uh, to listen to the students, to seek out student voice. Um, the um, as as a school board member, we really only have responsibility for a couple of items. Okay, one of those items um, is to hire and fire and uh, hire, evaluate and and retain or fire the superintendent. Okay, um, and the second thing is we write policy, and the policy isn't procedure; it's just very broad policy, okay? So one of the things that we have done and that I think is implemented is the superintendent has a, um, has, a um, has different groups of folks that, um, that she solicits input from, and one of those is a group of students. There's, so there's students' voice in, you know, um, represented there. So I think that is a, that's a good thing. But I, I think that, you know what, teachers, um, you know, can, can do a, can can involve the kids. Uh, administration can involve the kids, but as a board member, that's not really something that we have responsibility for. Do you think that that should be a responsibility that the board member has? Maybe going into schools, seeing day to day operations, viewing things from a student perspective. I think getting that information is probably um, and and being aware of it. But I don't think school board members should 
be doing the roles and serving in the capacity of administration. I will tell you that that is um, it's probably a slightly different view than I had four years ago. Um, you, one of the things that you learn a lot about uh, when you're doing a job is what that job is like. You, you know, you 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 probably um, think that being an attorney, you know, is it's going to be you know have certain things you're going to do and it's going to look like this. And then when you actually become an attorney. You're going to realize, oh, that was not much like I thought it was going to be four years ago, okay? So when I was running for the school board before, I thought coming in and being on the school board would would um, uh, entail certain functions and we'd be doing certain things, okay? What I've realized is that we do do certain functions and we do do certain things, but those things that we do aren't completely aligned with what I thought they were going to be four years ago, okay? And, um, and we, we do not run the schools. We, we provide oversight, but we do not run the schools. That's why we have administrators. Um, we are trying to set broad goals and set um, chart some direction, but we don't, um, we don't get into the weeds as we talk about a lot of times. We don't, you know, we aren't going to, you know, we, we get, we have people that, that share things with us about certain teachers, okay? Um, parents share things with us. Now, did you talk to the teacher? Did you talk to the principal? Have you followed the right chain of command? We don't get involved in, a, you know, in something going on in the classroom. We don't get involved with something going on with administration in a, at the building level. That is, that's handled by folks at, you know, that are in those spots. And, and as much as sometimes I want to, okay, I've also learned that I can't. Um, I, I can't do that. You got to let the people who are in those positions do their job. Casey, last question. Um, so I actually have this one written down. So um, during your tenure as a school board member, how would you respond if an individual or if individual children were specifically targeted, insulted, or berated by a fellow school board member using their official school board media page uh, for expressing an opinion that differs from the adult in office? Uh, I would not want that to happen. Um, I mean, that's a simple answer, okay? Um, and I take that. I don't believe that as, as school board members, I do not believe that we should be engaged in social media, okay? So, so part of your question, I think, was around social media and those pages. I, um, those, and maybe you said Facebook page. Yeah. Um, but I don't believe that we should have... Um, really a social media presence. That's my position. That's my position. And not everybody's going to feel that same way. Okay. But um, I think that it just opens up, uh, opens us up to, um, to uh, missteps, miscues. I think people can take things out of context. I think they, um, they don't know whether we are um, speaking on behalf of um our position, uh, if our comments are made as, as, you know, as a board member, or they made it as an individual, anywhere I go in the community, whether I like it or don't, when I when I ran for this office and I was elected to this office, I am now a board member. Even if I'm not acting as a board member, and I'm just acting as a parent. If I'm at a soccer game and I'm yelling at a referee and I'm doing that as Brad Boyer, a parent. There will be somebody there that sees me, and they don't think about me as Brad Boyer as a parent. They see me as Brad Boyer, the school board member. 
And that brings, um, and that has a completely different, that's um, 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 a completely different context than before. And so even, you know, so we have to be really careful. And um, I think that um, uh, there are lots of things that happen that I don't, that I don't probably agree with. There are lots of things that happen that I don't really like. But at the end of the day, I think everybody deserves to be treated um, with respect, with dignity, with kindness, um, and I'll say with love. I mean, I, um, I really think that um, we need to, we don't know what people are going through. We don't know what's happening in their life, and we need to really do a good job of meeting everybody where they are and helping, um, um, and helping lift them up so they can be the very best self the very best of themselves that they can be. Just have a couple of questions here for you as we wrap it up. Uh, Brad, you did vote no on the hiring of the current superintendent, Yvonne Stokes. And I know at that time you explained your reasons for that no vote. I'm going to give you a chance here once you get explained why you voted no. Well, Larry, it's a tough question and a <laughs> way to wrap it up here. But let me, let me, I'll, let me explain that. Um, one of the things that um, Dr. Stokes, um, uh, when we were interviewing, Dr. Stokes did not have any experience as a superintendent. One of the things that I knew um, was, was going to occur was with any superintendent, they were going to have to learn our district. We weren't hiring somebody within our district. And so they were going to have to learn our district. And I thought that it would be an easier transition if we could find an equally competent, capable candidate that had already been a superintendent so they didn't have to learn to be a superintendent at the same time. And so we had narrowed the field down to two, and one of them had, or one of them was a sitting superintendent. Um, Dr. Stokes was not. And so my vote was, um, my my uh, my vote was for the other candidate, and that had been consistent through the whole interviewing process. So one of the things that I wasn't going to do, sitting in the board meeting, I wasn't going to change my position. Now, um, Dr. Stokes became her superintendent, and I um, completely support her. Um, it, it, there's a difference between before somebody becomes your your leader, and once they become your leader, you don't have to support them before, but once they become your leader, once they become the superintendent, I feel like it is imperative that we support our superintendent. So, and so I've, I've, everything I've done, I have wanted to support and I've tried to, and I think I have supported Dr. Stokes so she can be the very best she can possibly be. So, Brad Boyer, uh, just a minute or two, uh, wrap it up. Anything you want to say or cover that we did not think to ask? Well, I don't know if there is or isn't, but I um, I have enjoyed um, there there's I have enjoyed the time that I've uh, been on the board, and I hope that I can be on the board for another you know four years. Um, but if I'm um, but if that doesn't turn out that way, and I'm not reelected in November, I do think that we have um, have continued to move the district forward. Um, given um, lots of things that have happened, feel like that um, that there's there's more that can be done. But I feel like we. Um, I feel like uh, it hasn't been. It hasn't been for not. So, I. Um, I uh, am. Uh, one of the things, like I said, I uh, four years ago wanted to come in and really focus on the students and really hoping, um, really wanted to improve the 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 um, 
climate, the the um, the ability to um, equip our students so they could be everything they need to be, everything they want to be, and as successful as they possibly could be when they leave our um, our walls of our building. And um, I really um, want to continue to uh, work on that. Um, I think we we have, have started some things. We've talked about some things. But uh, when you are working in a district as large as Hamilton Southeastern Schools, it takes a long time to, to move that organization along. And um, and um, I'm really hoping that uh, I'm able to um, continue some of the good things that we've started um, in the next four years. Brad Boyer is a candidate for re-election, District 1 for the Hamilton Southeastern School Board. My thanks to Brad Boyer and to the students for being a part of the podcast today. And thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. If you like the podcast, please let others know. You can find it on most platforms where you go for podcasts. Just search using this phrase, Podcasts by Larry Lannan, L-A-N-N-A-N. Also, if you listen on a platform such as iTunes, please take a moment, rate, and comment on my podcast series. So thanks for listening, and please be safe and be kind. Music